All right, Jerusalem, good morning. Let us begin a good night. You have a beautiful, beautiful day ahead of us today. First of all, a Baruch to Howard Goldstein. Baruch Howard, welcome back, welcome back. I mean, not welcome back to this year. It's been this year the entire time. Welcome back into the, into this year, into the inside. Welcome back. Wonderful to see you. All right, Jerusalem, we begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan, to thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating the Sherman Joshua's this month in gratitude to Hashem, and welcoming their first grandchild, Adin Tzvi Hachbaum, to Benjamin and Elise Wallaveri Tisrael for immense debt of gratitude to those who make the Shi'urim available beyond the confines of the base measures, specifically by Shi Abramson and Jeremy Lassen, Shimi and Batsheva Messing, in honor of the Bas Mitzvah of their daughter Laila, and Paul and Kathy Palik, dedicating the Shi'urim and Drushos this month in memory of Paul's parents, Shmuel ben Zechariah, Leah Bas Avram, and great-grandmother Cyril Bas Rabdov. Our week of learning sponsor, Neil and Pam Weissman for dedicating the Shurim this week in memory of Pam's father, Achazin Yisrael Zundel ben Yehuda Leib, and our Dafyomi sponsor for today, Rebecca Chesner, in memory of her father, Reb Yitzchak ben Meir, on the occasion of his first yard site. We hope that in the merit of all of our Tarim Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Ali, the families in the Chama, and the Mirat Hashem, those, can, those celebrating Simchas, should the Mirat Hashem continue to have many more in the years to come. And also with that, let us, let us begin. So today's Daf is Yud, 10. We're actually picking up a Mirat Hashem at the Halacha, at the beginning of the new Perek, Reading of the new parak, bottom of Tesla with days 9b at the Mishnah, fourth parak of Shkalim. So, we'll say a very interesting Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, Truma, Mahayu Osinba. What did they do with the Truma? Now, we'll say, remember, what the Gemara is asking over here is as follows. That, remember, we've, sp- we've spoken about so far the fact that they are going ahead and making three withdrawals at three different times of the year, right? Remember, again, three is, is the number to remember. Three, three utensils, three kupos, three boxes that each hold three sa'ah, three withdrawals throughout the year. And although we saw there's a machlokis on the timing of the withdrawals, everyone's agreeing pretty much on the mechanics of the draws, withdrawals. Now it goes to the Shailiz, what did we use the money for? What was the money used for? Good. So the Mishnah says as follows. Everyone, this is like... Uh, Good internal controls, Gimara, right? So we, go, like, we, we need our filings. So again, if you're going to withdraw money, again, I will say in general, we've seen before we did this, Sugi, that when it comes to communal money, how careful we have to be. So a Mishnah like this is incredibly important because as much as hopefully you want to trust the people in charge, remember I will say the, the guiding principle in all of this has been the Semnikian. In other words, don't rely on people to trust you. In other words, I will say the, the goal is to structure things in such a way where trust essentially is not necessary, right? If there's transparency and there's disclosure, I don't have to trust anyone. I, of course, I trust everyone, but I don't have to rely on trust because everything is spelled out. So it says the Mishnah, Truma Mahal Yosim, what do they do with it? So, Lochin Batmi Dinu Musafin Viniskehem. So we go ahead and we buy Tamidin, right, the carbon tamid, the daily communal offerings, Musaf offerings. Niskeim refers to the wine libations, which accompanies the Karbanos. Ha'omer ushteha lechem. This is very, very sugis. The Karbana Omer, right, the barley offering. Shteha lechem are the two loaves of Shavuos. Ve'lechem aponim. And the money withdrawn was used for the weekly lechem aponim. Showbread. V'chol karbanos atzibar, and ultimately again any communal offerings. So we'll say so pretty much that list over here. Tmidin, musafin, nisachim, omer shteyalechem, lechem aponim. These are all communal offerings that are brought from the withdrawals. Very interesting. Shomer svichan b'shvius. 
This is really quite fascinating. Now remember, on the year after the Shemitah year, or really the year, even the year of Shemitah year, so you need to bring a Karban Omer and you need to bring Shteyalechem. The problem is, of course, that all produce is Hefker. So interestingly enough, if you take a look, if you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin for just a moment, he says, Svichin, it's three lines off on the bottom, Ha'olin me'elehen mimashinishu bekatsir, v'nosnu schar l'shomer sheyim naragavim. So now listen to this. You see, in the actual Shemitah year itself, the produce that you're reaping was often planted beforehand. Right? It was planted before the Shemitah year. What about the year after the Shemitah year? So we'll say, so often when grain was growing, it grew based on what's called svichin. Svichin means that whenever you end up harvesting something, some of the seeds end up coming off, fall into the ground, and kind of grow on their own. So you would bring omer and shteyalechen from svichin. Now the, the interesting part is everything is hefker. So because everything is hefker, what they used to do is if they saw barley or wheat growing, they would kind of cordon off a particular area in order to go ahead and reserve that for Omer and Shteya Lechem. The issue is everything is Hefker. So technically speaking, anyone could take it. So you couldn't actually technically stop someone from taking it, except that they would have a guy positioned there and he would say, listen, you can take it if you want to, but... We're trying to utilize this ultimately for the Beis Hamikdash. So that's again, if you take a look at that, that Tiklin Chadatin, he says one more time, he says, Ha'olin me'elehen, this refers to growth which occurs by itself. Shenishru bakatsir, the seeds fell off when the previous crop was being harvested. Vinasnu schala shomer, sheyimna ragali behemos misham, shetzrichen la omer beis, shetzrichen la omer ubeis halechem shenamban elamina chadash, actually brings down. He doesn't bring down as much to keep people away, but he says much more to keep animals away. So what they, what they would do is they would hire someone and they would pay someone to kind of just stand guard by the wheat so that they would have barley and wheat available for the Omer and Shtehalechem. Then I will say, interestingly enough, since this individual was protecting wheat and barley for sacrificial purposes, his avoda was sacrificial in nature, and therefore they paid his salary from the withdrawals. What we're going to see, by the way, is not only could, not only was the withdrawal from the truma, the, what they call the, 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 the truma, not only was the withdrawal for actual sacrificial items, but so we'll call it support activities as well, which makes sense. Support activities as well were paid from the Trumas Halishka as well. Listen to this. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Misnadev So we'll say this is very interesting. Rabbi Yossi says, by the way, if somebody wants to volunteer his services and be an unpaid custodian, we accept that too. So we'll say, interestingly enough, there's a little in the mission over here. Does the person who's watching over the grain and the barley have to be paid, or can he choose to volunteer his services? If you take a look one more time at the Tiklin Chadatin, he writes, Yivay Shomer Chinam, V'yaf Shekana Osam in Ahefker, Kisha Shomer Chinam, Savar the Karban Yochem Mishnah So we're going to see something very interesting. The first thing, the Tanakama does not want unpaid custodians. We want to pay someone to watch the wheat and the barley. Why do you want to pay someone? 
Right, so first of all, we'll say, so in general, right? So, Klal Gadol, it's, it's interesting. It's always business people who give this answer, right? So, right, of course you want to pay someone because you get what you pay for. So, if somebody's doing you a favor, what's going to happen? One day he's too tired or whatever else, you pay someone. Interestingly enough, there's another issue over here. The other issue over here is if somebody's getting paid by the Mikdash, they're on the base HaMikdash's time, which means that it's clear that what they're doing, they're doing for the base HaMikdash. The concern with a volunteer, we'll say, is what could happen. Technically speaking, the guy who's a volunteer could acquire the wheat and the barley for himself because after all, this is Hefker. This is all Hefker. Right? So he can acquire it for himself. Now, if he acquires it for himself, the Shaila then becomes could his wheat then be transformed into Beis HaMikdash wheat or Beis HaMikdash barley? We're going to see this is actually a point of contention. So the Tanakhama says, we want to pay someone. We want to pay someone. We don't, we don't want any favors over here. Rabbi Yossi says, no, he could be a Shomer Chinam, and it's not a problem. Even if he acquires the wheat or the barley, subsequently he could transfer that ownership to the Beis HaMikdash, and it becomes Beis HaMikdash wheat and barley that could be used for Kavana Omer and Shteya Lechem. So the Gemara says as follows, Amrulo, Af Ato Omer Kain, Shein Ba'in Ella Mishal Tzibor. So ultimately, again, the Rabbanon said back to Rabbi Yossi, they said, again, just understand, at the end of the day, the wheat and the barley used for Karbala Omer and Shteya Lechem must be belong to the community, cannot belong to an individual. So we'll say, Rabbi Yossi's entire approach is predicated on the idea that that which belongs to the individual can be transferred and given over to the Beis HaMikdash. Now, both say, remember, that's not a Chiddush. Of course, we know something individually owned can be given over to the Beis HaMikdash. Remember, the difference over here is that generally by Karban HaOmer, as well as by Shtei HaLechem, the wheat begins in the ownership of the Beis HaMikdash. Here, there's a little bit of an additional step. The concern is... The wheat may be owned by an individual. When I say wheat, I'm including the, the wheat and the barley. May be owned by an individual, subsequently transferred. Does that work or not? Rabbi Yossi clearly indicates that it does. Let's see. Top of your Rabosai. So Ma'ra'a. So we'll say now this notion, the Gemara is going to focus on this notion that something owned by an individual can in fact be transferred over to the Mikdash. So it's actually quite interesting. So ma ra'azman ba'amlihimano. So we'll say the Gemara over here quotes a, a Gemara actually Meseches Tainis. Gemara Meseches Tainis that talks about the fact that there were nine different dates in which wood was brought to the Beis Hamikdash, and ultimately again those nine dates were each celebrated as Yamim Tovim. So watch this. When Klal Yisrael came back with Ezra, and ultimately there was not enough wood in the chamber. And I will say, remember again, if there's one thing you need a significant commodity of in the Beis Hamikdash, it is wood. Because I will say, remember again, you can't, you can't operate the altars without wood. Right? Remember again, even the internal altar, right, which was the Mizbech HaPanimi, the incense altar. So remember again, you didn't burn logs, but you burned coals. But what kind of coals? Coals that came from wood. So when they came back, and they came back, so they did not go ahead and have enough wood. Ultimately, again, these families, the Imam Sechus identifies the families. These families went ahead and pledged wood to the Beis HaMikdash. Now remember again, this was privately owned wood that then they then conferred ownership over to the Beis HaMikdash. 
And ultimately, again, they went ahead and they used it afterwards for Karbanos Sibor, for communal offerings. And this is actually quite beautiful. The Nevi'im, the prophets of that time, instituted the following idea, which is that whenever these families want to donate wood, even if the storehouses of the Beis Hamikdash are full, if these families donate, not only do we accept their donation, but their wood is used. Their wood is used. So we'll say, this was a son of Hakar Satov. These nine, these families stepped up at a time that no one else was stepping up. So the Nevi'im said, even if the storehouse is fully stocked, if these individuals come forward and donate wood, we not only accept it, but we use it first on the Mizbeach. So again, point over here was, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? You see from here that even privately owned, privately owned property could be transferred over to become publicly held property. See, I remember again, there are certain things that have to belong to the tzibar in order for them to be effective. One of those things is wood, right? Wood used on the Mizbech because wood, remember wood as we're going to see, essentially has the status of like a carbon. So carbonos tzibor must belong to the tzibor. So what you see here is that even something which begins in the possession of an individual can be transferred, effectively transferred over to the tzibor. So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi Achal, Am Rabbi Achal, to Rabbi Osihi. This is Rabbi Yosa. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yosa. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosa, Rabbi Yosa, Omar, Af Harotze Misnade Shomachinim. Because we both say, Rabbi Yosa, that they're quoting over here, is Rabbi Yosi in the Mishnah. This is Rabbi Yosi in the Mishnah who said that even if an unpaid custodian wants to watch over the Svichin, the growths in the Shemitah year, of the barley, of the wheat, he can do so. And we're not concerned that he's going to acquire the wheat and the barley, because technically, even if he does acquire the wheat to the barley, then what? Then what? It's okay. He could just transfer ownership over it to the Beis HaMikdash. So I will say, this is the same idea. These families pledged wood. It was their wood. It was their wood. But they clearly conveyed ownership over the wood to the Beis HaMikdash, showing us that even privately owned property can be transferred over to the Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Yossi, Bishin Rabbi Ila, Devrei Akoli. Others say no, this catch be reflective of the view of everyone. Because the only Machlokis Rabbi Yossi ultimately again is the, the actual carbon itself. Could an animal, right? Could a carbon owned by an individual ultimately again be transferred over to the tzibor and serve as a carbon tzibor? So machshirin are all the supplemental items associated with carbonos, like, like, wood, right? Ultimately, again, so it could very well be that the machlokis is only by a carbon itself, but by machshiri ha carbon, right? By, we'll call it carbonic accessories, everyone agrees that halacha it can be transferred from the individual ultimately to the collective. Tony, Isha Sha'asasa Kisonas Libna. Well, this is an interesting case. Let's say you have a mother who made a Kisonas. And we'll say Kisonas literally means a, a tunic. Her son's a Kohen. 
Her son's a Kohen. Tiglin Chadatim brings it down that it's a Kohen Gadol. But I don't know that it, I don't know that it matters if it's a Kohen Gadol or a regular Kohen. The point over here is a mother made a, a, a tunic, a kasonis for her son. So she made one of the big day kahuna for her son. What's that locha? Kshera. That locha is it works. Nebosei, however, obilvad shetim serena letzibor. As long as what? As long as she conveys ownership of that cloak to the tzibur. In other words, the big day kahuna must belong to the tzibur. So again, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? That personally owned property can be... Conf- now, I will say, again, I want to be clear. You might be thinking to yourself, of course personally owned property can be conveyed to the tzibur, right? Every single time I offer up a carbon, am I not, offer, am I not donating something to the base of Mitosh? But say, remember again, this is very different over here. There are certain things that are carbonos tzibur, that have to belong to the tzibur. So the, generally, the way that would work is the tzibur would purchase it. So the shayla the Gemara is dealing with over here is, could individually owned property be conveyed over and become communally owned property? So the Gemara says over here, you see the mother could make her Kohen son a kisones. And again, the Gemara says it works, as long as what? as long as she conveys ownership. Same thing that we saw before. These individuals pledged wood, privately owned wood, became communally owned wood. Um, Rabbi Ahad, Rabbi Osi, this must reflect the view of Rabbi Osi. Rabbi Osi in the Mishnah. Because remember again, Rabbi, it all, all roads lead back to the Mishnah. What did Rabbi Osi say in the Mishnah? When we have a Shemitah year and somebody's got to watch over the, some grain and some barley that the animals don't trample on it in order that we have barley and wheat for the Omer and Rabbi Osi says, you don't have to pay the guy, right? The Tanakhama says, pay him, right? Both say, why do you want to pay him? Why do you want to pay him? Because if you pay him, he's on the base, which means he cannot acquire that wheat and that barley for himself. Rabbi Yossi says, don't worry about it. What's the worst case scenario? Even if he acquires it for himself, not a problem. He'll just what? He'll just what? Convey ownership of it over to the base. So the Gemara says, this case of the mother who could make the tunic for her son, for her coin son, is also Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Afra Otsim, it's not Dev Shomachinam. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, Bishem Rabbi Ila, Omer, no, Divrei Akolhi, Ma Pligon, Begufo Shal Karban. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, quotes Rabbi Yossi named Rabbi Ila, who says, the only machlokes Rabosai is with the gufo shell carbon. The only machlokes is with an actual carbon itself. But machshire carbon, what we call accessory items, everyone agrees that what? That you can go ahead and switch an item over from personally owned to communally owned. And therefore, I will say the case of the tunic would be the same thing as the wood, which are items that are accessories. So I will say, so it comes out over here that the machlokus really only comes up with an actual carbon itself, which I will say that's really the case of the Mishnah, right? In the case of the Mishnah is really dealing mamish with the carbon. In this case, the carbon is the wheat, the carbon is the barley, but with accessories, Everyone seems to be totally comfortable with the idea that you could take privately owned property and convert it into publicly owned property. So the Gemara says, Masnis and Pliga Rabiosi. So we have a Mishnah that argues in Rabiosi. Because what does the Mishnah say? O son Hayamim Noagin Bishas Karban Vishalo Bishas Karban. So what's this is very interesting? Those days, because going back to the Mishnah in Tainis. So I say, so remember again, those days is a reference to the fact that, remember again, these nine dates, these nine families who pledged wood to the Beis HaMikdash, whenever they brought their karban, it was a yamtiv for them. 
It was a yamtiv, a personal yamtiv. Now, interestingly enough, the Gemara explains that they conducted themselves, these dates were Yamim Tovim, even when the base Hamikdash no longer stood. Even when the base Hamikdash no longer stood, and they were no longer bringing the wood, they still treated it as a yamtiv. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, no, Rabbi Yossi says, not true, not true. They only celebrated these days as Yamtiv when they actually had the opportunity to bring the wood. Now, interestingly enough, what the Gemara is inferring is as follows. The fact that these families who pledged wood treated the day that they brought the wood like a Yamtiv. And they treated it like a Yamtiv even when, even when, after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and they were no longer bringing it, indicates to us that they did not look at the wood as machshirin, but they looked at the wood as what? A carbon itself. They viewed the wood as a carbon. And the fact that, again, the rabbis were okay with letting them conduct themselves like a yamtiv, indicates to us that they viewed the wood like a carbon. Oh, remember again, what was the distinction we're making the whole time? The distinction we're making the whole time is all of these cases of wood and the tunic, these are all cases of what? Machshirin, accessories. And everyone agrees that by accessories, you can go in and transform private property into public property. But with the carbon itself, that's a machlokes. But you see from here that they were treating the wood like a carbon. And yet the rabbis were totally okay with letting privately owned wood become communally owned wood. If the wood is treated like a carbon, that teaches us that even by kabanos, privately owned items can be transformed into publicly held items. To which the Gemara says, Va'od, minhadu, the Senate boss, listen to this. Am Rabbi Elazar, just to show you how far the yamtiv identity of these days went. Listen to this. Am Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Tzadok. Anu, hayinu mibnei sana ben binyamin. We, were, we are descendants of the family of Sana ben Minyamin. This is one of the families who pledged the wood. So listen to this. V'chal Tishabav liyos b'Shabbos. One year Tishabav fell out on Shabbos. V'dachinu also l'matzei Shabbos. And of course, when Tishabav falls out on Shabbos, what happens? Tzinitcha, it's pushed to the 10th of Av. The family of Sana ben Minyamin. What was the day they donated wood? Their day was the 10th of Av. So it turned out now that the observance of Tisha B'av fell out on their yomtiv. Watch this. And we started the fast, but we did not complete the fast. They only fasted half a day. They only fasted half a day. So I will say, so what, 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 is, what does this show you? What this shows you is that, first of all, again, obviously they were not treating the donation of wood just stand like the donation of machshirin. They were treating the donation of wood like what? Like what? Like a carbon. And that's why it became a dramatic yumptive for them to the point where I was saying, this is incredible. I will say, this, this, by the way, this is people telling you what they did. The day that we donated wood was a yumptive because it was a carbon. And therefore, when Tishabov was a nitcha and fell out on our yumptive, we fasted half a day. And I will say, the fact that it's included in the Gemara seems to indicate that to us what? That nobody had a problem with that, right? The Rabbanim did not have a problem with that, which shows you both say, so again, therefore, what do you see from here? You see from here that halacha lamaisa, you see a case of carbonic, of a carbon being privately owned and ultimately again being transformed into a communal offering. So I both say, it does appear, it does appear based on the Gemara here that halacha lamaisa, one could go ahead and transform privately held carbonos or privately held item into a communally held carbon. Quite, quite dramatic. So I'll just point out, um, 
All right, so I'll, I'll just show you. Just what, what about this machlokis over here? So, say, so what do we do again? Specifically, we pointed out over here that what happens in the Shemitah year with the Omer and Shtei Alechem. So, this is very important. So, so halacha do we pay someone or not pay someone? Right? So we'll say, remember, so, so listen to this. So the Rambam Paskins, the Rambam says, the Rambam says, Bishnas Hashmita, this is in Perek Dalit in Hilchos Shkodim. Perek Dalit Alachahe, Bishnas Hashmita, She Hefker, Sochrin based in Shomrim, Shishmur Miktasvichin, Shetzamchu, Kidei Shavim, and Omrash Deolechem, Shein Bayim Elamina Chadosh. First of the Raman Paskins, that again during the Shemitah year, during the Shemitah year, where you need wheat and you need barley, we hire someone, we hire someone to stand guard over some wheat and some barley to keep the animals from trampling on it, and we pay his salary from the Machtis Ashakel. So the Raman next halacha says, I want to believe that wants to donate their services. Misham is Nadev Lishmar Bechinam, Ein Shomenlo. We'll say, again, incredible. Somebody wants to donate their services, you say, no, no, no not, not, we're happy to take your services, but, but we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you. Why? Listen to this. Mishum bali zroa, shema yavoa v'yitlu mehen, mehen. L'fichach tiknu l'en chachamim, sheyitlu schamin alishka, k'deish yifreshu akomi osamakam. We'll listen to this. But the Ram says, for a totally different reason. We pay the guy. But do you know why we pay the guy? Because we'll say, we're concerned that if it's an unpaid custodian, what's going to happen? Ruvain's going to come along. And he's going to see Shimon. Shimon's standing, right? I, I'm standing there watching over some wheat and some barley for the Beis HaMikdash. Ruvain says, step aside. It's Shemitah. Everything is Hefker. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm doing a favor for the Beis HaMikdash and I'm watching the barley. Favor Shemaver, right? So if, you, if you're not employed by the Beis HaMikdash, you're just a guy. I'm just a guy. Very nice. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a concerned citizen. So therefore, I'm going to say this is incredible. However, if I'm paid by the Beis HaMikdash, then what? Then what? I'm an employee, right? I'm an employee, right? Here's my, here's my W-2 for the Beis HaMikdash, right? I'm getting paid. But once I'm on the payroll of the Beis HaMikdash, I'm an agent of the Beis HaMikdash. Once I'm an agent of the Beis HaMikdash, what is Ruvain going to do? Walk away. Walk away. So this is pretty incredible. So I just want to point out something amazing. So the Rambam, right? The Rambam, it, it appears from the Rambam that Halach so we do accept the premise of the Gemara, which is that privately held items can become, can become the property, can become communal offerings. So that's why the Ramam is not, remember again, the, the, Gemara is, the Ramam is not concerned that if I'm unpaid, I'm going to acquire it for myself and then have a problem transferring it. It's not a problem to transfer it. Actually, the Ramam just says, we want the Shomer to be paid so that other people take the Shomer seriously. Pretty incredible. Good. Well, let's go weiter. That's the Rambam. The Gemara goes weiter. HaShomer Shteyalechem Lecha. Apanu Kal Kabanos Sibar. So we'll say, Taman Taninon, we learned, Kal Kabanos Hayocher Vat Sibar, Bo'in Mina Aretz O Mina Chutz Laaretz. Mina Chadosh Unesh. We'll say, in general, any Kabanos, be them individual Kabanos, communal Kabanos, can come from produce or from animals. In Eretz Yisrael, Outside of Eretz Yisrael, from Chadash, from Yashan, it doesn't really matter all that much, with two notable exceptions. Chutz, Bina Omer Shelechem. Also, with the exception of Karban Omer, we'll say it's incredible. We'll say this Halach Lamaisa. Today is the third day of the Omer, Karban Omer, incredible. Counting down to Shvuah Shelechem. So, with the exception of the Omer Shelechem, Shein Boyn Elamina Chadash Mina Aretz. We'll say listen to this. Karban Omer and Karban Shelechem must come from Chadash. New produce, new produce that's grown since last year, right? I should say this year's, this year's crop, 
Umina Arzin has to come from Eretz Yisrael. Both say very interesting. You can't import barley for the Karbana Omer, and you can't import wheat for the Shteha Lechem. It must come from Eretz Yisrael. Rav Chuna B'Shem Rabbi Yirmiyad Rabbi Shmali Rabbi Shmuel Omer Ein Ha Omer Ba Minasuria. Both say listen to this. This is really quite amazing. Rabbi Shmuel goes so far to say that that the Omer can't even come from Surya. They're both saying now what's Surya? What's Surya? Essentially, pretty much modern day Syria. But say, remember again, that was part of territorial Eretz Yisrael. David HaMelech conquered Surya. Surya is always interesting in the eyes of Halacha because it has the status of Kibush Yachid, of an individual conquest. And other words, David HaMelech, they always say, that was, that was a Milchamas which shows that it was not an obligatory war. And David HaMelech did not have the full support of the people for that war. He was successful, but he didn't have the full support. So it's a whole discussion in Halacha in general about what the status of Surya is. So for certain things, it's considered like Eretz Yisrael. For other things, it's like Chutz La'aretz. So interestingly enough, Rabbi Shmuel says that for the purposes of barley or wheat, for Omer or for, for Shteh Lechem, we don't import wheat. We don't import grain from Surya for these things. Pretty incredible. Taman Tanina, Eser Kiddush Hosein. Eretz Yisrael. So we'll say there are 10 levels of Kiddusha in this world. Eretz Yisrael, we'll say so beautiful, right? Eretz Yisrael is the holiest land in this world. Right? The holiest land that exists on the earth is Eretz Yisrael. So what happens? Umayi Kiddusha. How does the Kiddusha of Eretz Yisrael manifest? Where, where, how is the Kiddusha manifest? Because we'll say, for certain agricultural mitzvot, like Omer, Shteha Lechem, Bikurim, first fruits, they only come from Eretz Yisrael and from nowhere else. Rabbi Chia, B'Shem Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel, Omer, Ein Omer, Bamina Surya. Because also remember again, Rabbi Shmuel goes so far to say, not only does Omer not come from Chutz Laaretz, but what Rabbi say, it can't come from anywhere that's, that's not what? That's not what? A thousand percent Eretz Yisrael. So even if you have a Suffolk Eretz Yisrael, like Surya, you can say, by the way, you know, you had, if you remember again, say, if you go back to the beginning of the first Mishnah in, in, in Gittin, we'll say, remember again, you have certain areas that were Mesopak about Eretz Yisrael, even for example, those of is Akko, right? Is Akko Eretz Yisrael, is Akko Chutzla Eretz. So again, Rabbi Shmuel would say, now obviously Surya, I say, is even different than Akko, right? Because Akko, there's a shayla, just like where the line, Surya, everyone is agreeing, it's Kibosh Yach. Okay, the Gemara goes right there. So Gemara says, Tamanta, Nino Rabbi Shmuel, Omer, Macharish Rishos, Af Katsi Rishos. So we'll say, the Gemara is talking over here about the Pasik. The Pasik by Shabbos, right? The Torah says, Bacharitz, Bacharish Ubakatsir Tishbos, right? Bacharish Ubakatsir Tishbos. You're not allowed to go ahead and Sorry, Shemitah. You're not allowed to go out and do Chorish and Katsir. So the Gemara says, Machorish Rishos, Af Katsir Rishos. Just as plowing is optional, so too, again, what's prohibited, Rabbi Osai, on Shemitah? What's prohibited? Harvesting that is optional. Yatza Katsir HaOmer Shemitzvah. This comes to exclude the Katsir HaOmer, the cutting down of the Omer. Ultimately, again, that is going to be a mitzvah. Bishmal kedaite d'abishmal da'amar ina omer b'amina surya kedaite d'amar yatsa ketzira omer shi mitzvah. Good. Man tano shomri sviches b'shvies notan schar mitzuma salishka. So, boss, let's go back for just a moment. So, boss, we've established a couple of things. We've established again the fact that again omer shtehalechem as well as bikurim must come from chadash and must come from Eretz Yisrael. 
So the Gemara says, who is the opinion who says, Mantana Shomi Svichim Bishviyas, Nolten Schar Mitchumas Halishka? So is the opinion who holds that Allah Chalamaisa, those who go ahead and watch the Sichim, right, the growths during the Shemitah year, to keep them safe for the Karbana Omrash Te'alechem, that they get paid from. From the Lishka, from the withdrawal of the Machsa Zashag. Rabbi Shmuel, he, Rabbi Yosef, Divri Akoli, Rabbi Yosef says, no, it's everyone. Lomatsu Basuria, Mevin also Misvichin Shebereti Sos. Well, this is very interesting, because this opinion says that ideally, if we don't find anything in Surya, we'll go ahead and we'll bring from the Svichin and Eretz Yisrael. So the Gemara says, so fine. So we'll say, so again, there happens to be a view that holds that Halacha Lamaisa. If you can't go, so there's a, there is an opinion that holds that you can bring in Omer and Shteh HaLechem from Surya. Right now, again, the Gemara rejects that opinion, but that opinion does exist. So listen to this interesting case. Hahin Omer, Mao Yizra Betchila. So say, this is a fascinating Shaila. Take a look over here. Take a look. Take a look. Um, it's in the Tiklin Chadatin. In the, in the last short line, listen to this. Here's the shaila. What happens if you have no svichin? Remember again, svichin are aftergrowths, which are things that grow on their own. What happens if, for some reason, you have no? I'm calling it. I don't know if aftergrowth is the right English word, but you understand items that grow on their own. Well, say so the Gemara is asking a fascinating shaila. What happens if there's not going to be any wheat or barley growing for the carbon omer or shteilechem? Can you plant wheat and barley on shemitah for the purpose of what? For the purpose of the what? Of the carbon. You hear the shaila? Can you can you actively plant? <laughs> On Shemitah year, but for the purpose of the Omer or Shtei HaLechem. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Chiyabar Ada, Bai Kumei Rabbi Mano, Lo Nimtza Kekometz Ala Shirayim, Lo Nimtza, I'm sorry. So they so say, Rabbi Chiyabar Ada asked this Kasha before Rabbi Mano, and they said, Lo Nimtza Kekometz Ala Shirayim Shein Nechalen. But say, isn't this like a Kometz without Shirayim? So we'll say, so remember again, what's the Halacha? Remember, if you have a Kabba Mincha, so the way a Mincha works is, all, all the coin does is he takes a knitza, right? The three middle fingers worth of flour, puts that, three, puts that on the mizbech, and the rest is consumed. What happens if you have a carbon mincha where the shirayim was lost, the leftover part of the carbon was lost, to which the gemara says, we still offer up the knitza. We still offer up the kamitza. Take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin for just a moment. He says, Bekomets al shirayim, second wide line. Tikomets she'in matya shirayim of la'achila, so we'll say if you have a komet that is not matir shamer, a komet is only effective if there's something to be matir. But if there's nothing to be matir, the kamitza is not effective. So the Gemara wants to suggest that wouldn't that be the same thing with planting grain on Shemitah? To which the Gemara says, No, rather it becomes like five things which are brought in a state of Tumah, even though you cannot consume them in Tumah. But if you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin again, he says, Interestingly enough, there are certain things which are brought in a state of Tumah, even though they can't be consumed. Which I will say is an interesting case, because what it's saying is there are certain things that are so essential 
that even if you have to bring them in a compromised fashion, you do so. Which would seem to indicate that if you have no wheat and no barley, no svichin in a Shemitah year, that perhaps we would even allow you to plant during the Shemitah year in order to be able to harvest and bring the carbon. Even though, again, what you're doing is aser. So the Gemara says, So what do you do? So we'll say, what do you do? So now, both say the Gemara is transitioning for just a moment. The Gemara is going back. So we'll say, so interestingly enough, the Gemara doesn't seem to answer that particular question. In other words, what do you do if there are no sfichin? Do you go ahead and actively plant barley and grain during the Shemitah year? So we'll say the Gemara doesn't resolve that particular Shiloh. Although it does sound like, it sounds like ultimately, again, you would do it. The Gemara is comparing it to a case of five things that are brought in a state of Tumah, even though you can't consume them. But the Gemara does not rule conclusively on that issue. Ketzidol, so we'll say the Gemara just says, by the way, now how do we pay the Shomer? So if you look at the Teklin Chadatin, he says, Ketzidol Osa, Amas Nisin Lehadr Leferushe, Ketzad Porin Leshomer Svichin, Demilishka, Yav Shalahotek, Tishkol Hedjur. So I say, interestingly enough, how do you, so remember, going with the approach, we saw the Ramam even passed, and the Mishnah said, not, not like Rabbi Oz, like the Tanakama, which means that we're going to appoint a Shomer, we're going to appoint a guy to go ahead and watch over the growths, right? Watch over the grain and the barley that's growing during Shemitah to keep guard of it so we could use it for Shteyalechem and for the Omer. Good. So we'll say, so now the Shail is, how do we pay him? Now both you'll say to yourself, how do you pay him? That's easy. How do you pay him? How do you pay him? You give him money. We just said, right? After all, isn't that the topic of the Mishnah? We withdraw the money. We withdraw the money. And with it, we go ahead and we pay the guy. But say, here's the problem. You can't just simply take money that belongs to the Beis HaMikdash and pay it to an individual for chulun work. And we'll say, although the work that he's doing is the Lord's work, right? He's watching over the wheat and barley. Lemais, again, that still would be considered to be a chulun payment. So there has to be some process of deconsecration of funds before it gets into the pocket of the Shomer. So how do you do it? Ketzidu Osa, no tell ma'os minashulchani, v'nost on the kosrin. So we'll say, we take money from the money changer. So we'll say, so essentially what we do is the first set of funds, we take from chulin funds. They're, they're money changer funds. V'nost on the kosrin, of the Shomer, and we go ahead and we pay the people who harvest the grain, the people, because also remember again, there's whole support staff in getting the grain ready. So you have to pay the guy who harvests the grain. You want to go out and watch the guy who's watching the grain. So we'll say, so what do we do? We go ahead, we go ahead and we pay, we want to pay the workers up front. So essentially what you do is you get in advance from the money changers, use the money from the money changers to pay the workers, and then ultimately, again, once the Omer is harvested, or the Shtelechem is harvested, we deconsecrate, right? We, or I should say, we transfer the sanctity of the funds onto what? Onto the wheat, or onto the grain. So the grain is sanctified, the grain is sanctified, and the money becomes deconsecrated. So we'll say, very interesting, first of all, just also an interesting yisod, in terms of say, so why not just wait to pay the guys? Why not just wait to pay the guys? What's the answer? You don't wait to pay your workers. Right? Pay them. You want to pay the workers. So ultimately, you're going to get an advance on the funds. So, right, the initial, so the payment funds come from the shulchani. Right? They come from the money changers. Pay the workers. Then once the grain is harvested, 
deconsecrate the money, right? De- take the consecration of the money, transfer it onto the Omer. Now the money is deconsecrated. You could then go back and pay back the, the money changers. So is this a good approach? After, so Gemara says, yes, it works because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, so said, the Gemara says, isn't this problematic because aren't you then effectively using temple funds, you know, kind of in an indirect fashion to not really pay for temple services? To which the Gemara essentially says, no, since we know how this process is going to work from the beginning, it's Ki'ilu, the temple funds are ultimately paying the workers. We're, we're just doing a little bit of a workaround over here because we want to pay the workers quickly. So, this is the same process applied by the stone workers, the masons who work for the base. So, we go ahead and again, once again, we get the money, right? We get the advance. I will say, the money changers are effectively the bank. Right, the other bank, we get the advance from the bank, pay the workers from the bank, even before we go, the, the workers finish putting the top row of stones on whatever it is that they're building. Once they go ahead and they finish putting the top row of stones, we bring money out of the temple treasury. We transfer the sanctity of the money onto the stones. And this process works, or does this process work? It's a question. Yes, because we will say it's understood that ultimately, again, retroactively, the monies that were dispensed were the very monies that were set aside from the beginning. So I will say, so even though this, this is just a little bit of a cleaner way of ensuring, first of all, that the workers get paid earlier. And also, again, we, it's just easier because this allows us to directly deconsecrate temple funds onto something actively consecrated. So we're able to deconsecrate the funds onto the barley and onto the wheat. We're able to deconsecrate the funds onto the stones. That way, again, there's a direct transference of sanctity from the money in the Beis HaMikdash to an object which belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, as opposed to deconsecrating it in a way that goes into someone's pocket. So say everything works, but the money is deconsecrated in a little bit of a superior fashion. Beautiful. Ahmed Bezer will say, Mishnah. These are great suyas. Para, we'll say more things that are bought with the funds. More things brought with the funds. Mishnah. Para, this time Mishnah, like Avalashan Salzahoris, Para, Duma, we'll say it's great. We'll say just, you know, it, it, it's so interesting because we, we know from the beginning of the Mesechta that what do you do with the Matzah Shagal that's collected? What do you do with it? What do you do with it? Karbano Sibar. Right, communal offerings. So we'll say, I think when we think about communal offerings, often what goes through our mind is what? Tamish shal shachar, tamish shal ben arbayim. There's a morning communal offering, afternoon communal offering. But now it's very exciting because the Mishnahis are going through all of these different things that are brought with this money. That are bought with this money, excuse me. Including, I will say, support salaries, which is quite interesting. So, para, para aduma, seira mishtaleh. I will say, again, this is the goat that's sent into the wilderness on Yom Kippur, Lashon Shel Zahoris, the red wool. We'll say now we're going to see red wool was used in three different services. Bo'in Mitruma Salishka. All of these things come from the Machtes Shekel collection. Right? Truma Salishka means a withdrawal from the temple treasury. Listen to this. Kevesh para, the Kevesh Shemesh 
So let's listen to this. What about the ramp of the para? The Rebbe will say, this is very interesting. Remember, the para aduma, the para aduma was taken to Harazesim. It was slaughtered, not, not in the base of Mikdash. It was slaughtered right at Harazesim, opposite the base of Mikdash. They would construct a special ramp to transport the par from the base of Mikdash to Harazesim. Because remember, again, essentially, you don't want anything happening to that par. So they constructed a special ramp to get it from point A to point B. Similar idea, the Kavash Sir Mishtalech, when they went ahead, Abba said, this is actually a Mishnah Numa, when they went ahead and they transported the, the Seir, the goat that was going to be pushed off the cliff, from the Beis Hamikdash to the outskirts of the city, they also built a special ramp to get it out. Veloshon Shabin Karnov, and again, the red wool that was tied around that was tied around the horns of the Sira Mishdaleach, the Amas Hamayim, and the channel of water. So we spoke about this in Psachim, right? The channel of water that went through the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash, the Chomo Sair, and the walls of the city of Yerushalayim, Umigdalosel, and the towers of the city, the Chotzarche Ha'ir, and all of the needs of Yerushalayim, the city, the municipality, Mishayare Halishka. All of these came, Rabbi say from the leftover Shkalim. Mishiyare Halishka. Mishiyare Halishka. If you take a look, um, yeah. So, yeah, we have Kobo. We'll see what this is. Mishiyare Halishka. So the Gemara says, Abishol Omer, Kevesh Para, Hakohanim Gidolim Osin, Mishiyare Atzman. But this is fascinating. Abishol says, no, no, no. The ramp for the, for the, for the, for the Para Duma, actually that was made by the Kohanim themselves. Kohanim Gidolim. Now, we'll say, is it interesting question, Kohanim, who are the Kohanim Gidolim, plural? So we'll say, first of all, remember again, you always had a coin gadol and what? And a scan coin gadol. But remember, girl, so you also had retired kohanim gidolim. Right? You could have a coin, you could have a coin gadol who would retire. So you could have a coin gadol emeritus. Right? So the idea, now again, they didn't have any function. They were, they were kohanim. But the idea is that that, that ramp for the paraduma that was funded by the kohanim gidolim. The Gedolim Benevolent Association, right? They went ahead and uh, they said so the Gemara says Misha Atzman, right? Misha Atzman, Moshe Shiarei Lishkamayah Osiman. We'll say so. What did they do with any leftover funds? So we'll say so. After you took care of all of the needs of the Beis Hamikdash, what what happens if there were leftover funds? What would you do with them? So Mayu Osiman, Lochin Bahem Yenos Ushmana Besalsos. So the Beis Hamikdash would purchase wine and oil and fine flour. They would sell it. They would sell it, and they would sell it for a profit. So we'll say essentially they would get into commodities, right? They would sell oil, flour, wine, and they would sell it to people. Also, who would they sell it to? Remember again, anyone who was coming to the Beis Hamikdash often had to purchase these items. So you would purchase it at the Beis Hamikdash from the Beis Hamikdash. Probably at a premium, at a premium, but that was okay because remember again, part of your purchase price was tax deductible because it was a donation, right? So, so, they, they, would, so they, they would make money like this. Rabbi Akiva Omer, no. Ain mishtakrin. I'm sure now I shouldn't say mishtakrin. Mishtakrin. Ain mishtakrin b'shal hagdish. Well, this is actually quite interesting. We don't do business with communal funds. Others will say because it's a very dangerous business to get into. What happens if the base hamikdash starts selling wine, oil, and flour, and then what happens? What happens? Let's say both say Baruch Hashem. There's an overabundance of these items, which then means what happens? Prices go down. That means they're gonna get. They're gonna take a loss. Because this is incredible. Rabbi Akiva says. Rabbi Akiva says we do not start doing business with communal funds. That's that is a bad idea. So the Gemara says. Uh, furthermore, Rabbi Akiva says, 
Af lo mishal aniyim. Furthermore, we don't even do we don't do business with tzedakah funds. As I both say, this is a big shaila in halacha. Let's say you have a tzedakah fund, and let's say you happen to have some money in your tzedakah fund, and now you figure, you know what? Let me invest it. Let me invest it. Make a little bit of money. I both say, are you permitted to go ahead and invest tzedakah funds? I both say, by the way, this is let's say one has their own charity account. Right, a person has a charity. I separate out myself from my earnings. I have a charity account. Like, it's, truth is, on an individual level, it's not as much of a shy look. Because the truth is, you can do whatever you want for your charity account. As long as you know that what? You're on the hook for it. So if, if you want to go and invest your, your, your Meiser account, that's fine. But whatever it is, you're mechuyiv to dispense that. So if you take a loss on your investment, you're still, the shy look is more in the realm of communal funds. Right? The realm of communal funds are you allowed to develop or to devise an investment strategy for communal funds right now? Or do we say, Rabbi Akiva says, no, 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 we don't invest communal funds. Or, or at least we don't invest communal funds in anything that has any element of risk. I guess if you want to buy a, right, I guess a treasury bond, right? You want, you want to buy something that has a guaranteed yield, that's fine, you could do that. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, you can't do anything that has any level of risk associated with it. So the Gemara says, Moser Atruma. Shabbos says, so again, what about Halacha Lamaisa? Shabbos says, after they took all of the above mentioned items. So after they, after they paid for all of the communal items. So if there's money left over, Mahayu Osinba, what would they do with it? So the Gemara says, Rekui Zov, Sipai Beisak, Beisakodesh Hadashim. Shabbos says, they would use the leftover funds. Often, the, the interior of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the walls, were gold-plated. Well, over time, the plating had to be replaced. So they would replace the plating from that money, from that leftover money. Rabbi Shmuel, Omer Moser, Peros, Kesem, Mizbeach. Rabbi Shmuel says, the leftover of the Peros, in the Gemara, we'll see what that phrase means. Kesem, Mizbeach, was dessert for the Mizbeach. Again, I'll say, we'll see what that means as well. Moser, Truma, the leftover of the Truma, the Klisharis. And Abbas said, we'll define all of these things in the Gemara. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Moser Truma, the Ketza Mizbeach, the leftover of the Truma. Moser Ketza Mizbeach, we're going to see, literally means dessert from the Mizbeach, which meant offerings that were offered up on the Mizbeach. Moser Nesachim, the Klisharis, the leftover of the Nesachim meant for Klisharis. So we'll say again, we're going to define all of these terms in the Gemara. Rabbi Hananya, Skanakonim Omer, Rabbi Hananya, the Skanakonim said, Moser Nesachim, Ketza Mizbeach, the leftover of the Nesach, and as we'll say, this, Bepashtos, this means if you had leftover monies that were meant for Nesach, libations, what do you do with it? Ketzam is you use it for Karbanos. Moserat Truma, Likhlisharis. If there's any leftover from the Truma, that ultimately goes for service utensils. Zeh vizelo hayu modim beperos. But neither of them, again, I will say, were used by Peros. Again, we're going to define what that Peros case is. It's not clear from the Mishnah. We'll see that in the Gemara. It says the Gemara, Kevesh para. So we'll say, remember again, they made a ramp for the Paraduma. So there was a Machlokes, I will say, about who paid for the ramp for the Paraduma. First opinion said they came from Matzah Shekel. Second opinion said, who paid for it? Who paid for it? The Kohanim Gidolim. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Shulam Barachim, Rishim Rabbi Yochanan, Rishim Rabbi Yonasan, sorry. Gimel Lashonos, Hain Shels, Gimel Lashonos, and I'm both say, red wool was used in three different contexts. Shel Seir Besela, so we'll say, ultimately, again, the red wool that was used by the Seir Hamishtalef, that's the, that's the goat of Yom Kippur. That wool was a sella in weight. But we'll say here they're, they're referring to weight. It had a weight of one sella. Shel Mitzora Beshekel, the Mitzora red wool was a weight of a shekel. Shel Parah Bishtei Sloim, 
ultimately again of a paraduma, the red wall was two stone. I will say, interestingly enough, the, the red wall of the paraduma, remember again, it was mixed in with the water and everything. So that was the heaviest wall because it had to sink to the bottom of the water. Rabbi Chunya, Dibras Chavrin, Rabbi Ba, Barzavda, Bishim, Rabbi Shimon, Ben Chalafta, Shalpara, Bishtei, Slamu, Mechza. The, actually, the weight of the wall of the paraduma was two and a half slime. The is the mafkin lishna ba'asarazuz, and others say ultimately again that it had a weight of ten zuz. Good. Rabbi Yehuda Rishon Rabbi Shmuel Talmidi Chacham Alavne Nesakaram Hilchos Shchita Hilchos Kabbal Hilchos Riga Notlin Schar Mitzuras Eshkabos. Another fascinating case. Remember, Kohanim had to be trained, right? They had to be trained in Shchita. How do you shech? They had to be trained in how do you do Kabbal or receive the blood. They had to be trained in Zrika. Then I will say, I want to show you something fascinating. Lav Dafka, that the Rebbeim who taught these skills were Kohanim. I was about to say, you could have a Talmud Chacham who's very skilled, certainly in Shechita, but even in Kabbalah and Zrika, they, they, learned, they learned the Sugyas. So I will say, so there, there were staff, there were staff, there were Rebbeim who were employed by the Beis HaMikdash to teach the Kohanim how to do Shechita, how to do Kabbalah, how to do Zrika. So I their, their, their salaries were paid from the leftover Maktas HaShakal. So, so again, I just want to point out, this was after you paid for all of the communal sacrifices, right? And all these items mentioned in the Mishnah, leftover monies were ultimately used to pay salaries of the teachers of the Kohanim. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Radifa, Bishin Rabbi Amy, Mevakri Mume Kachim, Notlin Tzcharmit Shumas Alishka. Furthermore, again, I will say, Mum inspectors, Mum inspectors. Remember again, I was saying, Mumis are these people who, who, who examined animals for, for disqualifying blemishes. Also, didn't have to be Kohanim. Didn't have to be Kohanim. They're also paid from the temple treasury. Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Tanukha, Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Shira, Rabbi Smaloi, Magi, Sefer Hazara, Notlin, Scharan, Mitchuma, Salishka. Both listen to this. They had a Sefer Torah that remained in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. So what it's actually Girsav is if it's Sefer HaAzara or Sefer Ezra, right? But the idea is they had a Sefer Torah which was considered to be the most authoritative Sefer Torah in Klal Yisrael. So obviously that Sefer Torah needed some upkeep as well. So the, the, the wage paid to those who helped with upkeep ultimately came from Temple Treasury as well. Kidul Bar Binyamin, B'shem Rabbi Asi, Shnei Dayon Gzelos, Notlin Tzcharam Yitzhumas Alishkan. Both said there are two primary judges in Yerushalayim, ultimately again, who were in charge of monetary law. Their salaries came from the Chumas Alishka. Shmuel Lomar, Nashima Argos Beparochas, Notlin Tzcharam Yitzhumas Alishka. So Shmuel says, the women who weave the Parochas, both said the Parochas refers to the curtain in the Beis HaMikdash itself between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, those women get their money from Truma Salishka. So remember again, this all refers to the leftover Shkalim. Rabbi Chuna Omer, Rabbi Chuna Omer, Mitshumas Bedekabais. Rabbi Chuna says, no, they don't get paid from the Truma Salishka, the leftover Machsas shekel. They get paid from the Temple Upkeep Fund, from Bedekabais. D- d- different account. I will say, so what's the nafkamin? I'm not pligi. Shmuel avodlaka karban. Ravuna avodlaka binyan. Well, this is fascinating. The machlokes was, how do you view the curtains? Were the curtains viewed like a carbon, right? Or were the curtains viewed like a building, right? Was it capital improvements 
or was it sacrifices? So we'll say this was an accounting issue. The good news is they're getting paid, right? The good news is you're getting paid. But a fascinating internal accounting. So we'll say, remember again, it's incredibly important to know what's coming from which fund. Because I will say, again, it's all about financial transparency. What fund? And there was an audit. We'll see. There was a base of audit. So what fund are the women getting paid from? Is, is the curtain like a carbon? So it comes from Shuma Salishka from the Max Shekel? Or is it like capital improvements, like building fund, and it's coming from the Kabayis? Amrab Chizkia, Ten Rabbi Huda, Good Gogos, Hakitores, Vichol Karbanos Atibor, Barmit Shuma Salishkan. So the Kitores. And any communal offerings, they will say, of course, it's coming from Chuma Salishka, from the Maxis Ashagel, Mizbeach Hazav, Chokli Sharis, Boin Mimosar Nesachim. Interesting enough, I will say, the Mizbeach Hazav, the golden altar, and any of the service utensils came from any of the leftover funds from libations. Mizbeach Ha'ola Vahecha Vazaras. Ultimately, again, the Mizbeach Ha'ola, which was the large animal, animal, animal altar, animals, right? The, the large Mizbeach, the large Mizbeach, and the Heichal improvement to the Heichal structure or the Azars of the courtyards. Boin Mishiyare Halishka. Ultimately, again, that came ultimately from the leftover Machzah Shekel as well. Chutz la Azaras, Boin Melishkas Bedekabais. Anything outside of the Azaras came from the Bedekabais, the Temple Improvement Fund. Vutani. And ultimately, we learned that the stones of the Mizbeach, the Heichal and the Azaras, are subject to Me'ila. But one second. So you just said before that these are paid for from left, left over Maxis HaShakel. Is there any Me'ila associated with the Maxis HaShakel? Because ultimately says that the left over Maxis HaShakel is in fact subject to Me'ila. Oh, sorry. The, the, shirai, the shrine, the left or Machzah Shekel is subject to Me'ila. Amreb Chia, Klum Amreb Meir, Ela Besok Shnaso, Vacha Chutz Lishnaso. Ultimately, again, I will say yet, Rabbi Meir even held, but that was only within the year. But after the year, Chutz Lishnaso, Ainu Kaimin. Ultimately, again, we learned that Allah Chalamaisa, after the year, can't be from Shirayim. Amreb Chizkia, Tanarab. So we'll say, you know, to stop over. We'll pick up Amir Tzvachiskia tomorrow. We'll say, again, continuing now on the theme, you begin to see now it becomes a little bit interesting because we'll say, well, it's, no, it's always been interesting. But you begin to see again, so remember, Karbanos, Karbanos, and salaries directly associated from Karbanos are going to come from the Maktas Shakel. Interestingly enough, kind of once you branch out a little bit, now there's a whole discussion what's coming from which fund. All of it is necessary. All of it is needed, but what's going to come from Machzah Shekel? What's going to come from Bedek Habayis? So that's going to be a little bit of a subject of discussion in Mirza Shem continuing tomorrow. <laughs>